0: I've always been fascinated by stories of gorgeous, fun-filled family vacations that take a horrifying turn, becoming cases of the missing and murdered. Exotic locales, bonding, dancing, drinking, and sunshine, suddenly filled with dread or blood. Bliss turns to fear and fear turns into a nightmare of unimaginable proportions when someone you love goes missing in the middle of paradise where do you even begin to search my name is M. William Phelps I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author I've dedicated the past 20 years of my life to helping families of the missing and murdered join me we're crossing the line It's a beautiful morning. The sun is just coming up over the horizon on a patch of sea between the Caribbean and Atlantic Oceans. The air is a perfect 75 degrees. The breeze, just enough to let you know you are in the middle of paradise. The Bradley family has worked hard for years. This trip is a godsend. And you know what? They didn't even have to pay for most of it. We begin this week's case on March 24, 1998. It's about 5:30 in the morning, an hour of the day many never see. Me, personally, I love this time of the day to write and think and take in the quietness of a new day just beginning. But Ron Bradley is not accustomed to waking up so early. He finds himself half awake, staring from his bed out at the blue waters and the seemingly endless horizon of the Caribbean. Ron is inside one of the large cabins aboard the Rhapsody of the Seas cruise ship with his wife, Iva, soundly sleeping next to him. Ron won the trip at work as part of a promotion at his insurance sales job. In fact, 35 insurance agents from across America are on the ship as well. Ron was so excited for the trip, he doled out the additional cost of bringing their adult kids with them, Amy and Brad Bradley, who are sharing the same cabin.
1: I just have to say, as a person who once knew a man named John Johnson, I love love the alliteration of his name.
0: (laughs) That's Catherine, my producer, whom you all love as much as I do. At least that's what I hear from the messages I get. Oh, good. (laughs) She's wonderful, and she's a major asset to this show, and I'm lucky to have her. So hello, Catherine.
1: Hi, Phelps. Thanks.
0: The ship had just departed the port of Oranstad, Aruba, on a beeline to the small island of Curacao to the east in the Netherlands, Antilles. It'll become important to this story to note that Aruba and Curacao are islands not far off the coast of Venezuela and fairly close to each other. As the crow flies. As Ron is taking in the view from under the covers in his bed, he notices his 23-year-old daughter, Amy, out on the balcony deck. From his position in bed, he can see her legs from her hips down. Amy looks to be resting comfortably on the deck lounge chair. The balcony door is closed. Ron recalls this small detail because if the door had been open, he knew he would have gotten out of bed to close it. The previous night, Amy mentioned feeling a bit of seasickness. She was out on the deck, no doubt, getting some fresh air, resting after what was a long night of drinks and food and dancing.
1: Oh, seasickness. It's called seasickness. Yes. Not hangover.
0: Or late night partying. (laughs) Right.
1: That's what we call it when we're on a boat.
0: (laughs) Amy is a natural athlete. 5'7", 120 pounds, shortly cropped, almost Peter Pan-like brown hair, sometimes highlighted blonde. She has green eyes. In competition-ready shape, Amy is an athlete through and through. She attended college in Longwood, Virginia, not far from the family home in Chesterfield County, Virginia. The trip is sort of a celebration for her before she sets out into the world to start a new job with a computer consulting firm in Virginia. Ron drifts off and is awoken about 30 minutes after first seeing Amy on that lounge chair on the balcony. He doesn't know what woke him, but notices that the sliding door to the balcony is now open about 15 inches, and Amy is not there anymore. Her cigarettes and lighter, which were beside her, are gone as well. She's not in the cabin either, Ron soon realizes. And this is where Ron says later, that he got this funny feeling. Part of it was that Amy was never up that early in the morning. Part of it was just intuition that something was amiss. We all get these feelings from time to time in life. Few act on them. Ron, he did. Now that he's up and about, Ron looks around the room and notices that Amy hadn't left a note, which she was always good about doing. Back before we all had cell phones, We'd leave each other handwritten notes on paper to let each other know our whereabouts. So, Ron decides to go look for his daughter. He leaves the room quietly, sure not to wake his wife or his son. Ron checks out all the places on the ship he thought Amy might have gone off to. He knows she had a lot to drink the previous night, and maybe she never fell asleep. When he can't find her, he begins to really worry. Where is Amy? Did she find a quiet spot on the ship to take a nap? Back inside the cabin sometime later, Ron wakes up his son Brad and his wife Iva, and he asks them about Amy. He's anxious and concerned, and they pick up on it. Brad mentions that Amy told him she might disembark the ship in Curacao to get more cigarettes. Maybe they'd find her near the area where they actually walk off the ship. It's about 5.45, 6 a.m. now, so the ship would dock in approximately 90 minutes. As time goes by, they find Amy's ID and her sandals, along with nine other pairs of her shoes, which is all she brought with her. Why would she take off without her ID, not wearing any shoes? No one is panicking too much. Maybe Amy went for a barefoot walk, but still, it's a little weird.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where you think maybe she went to the pool on such and such deck without her shoes on or something. Because it is that sort of like you're on vacation, it's a little lax, but there's only so many places that she could be. You're on a boat. You wouldn't naturally worry that much right away.
0: And I think anybody hearing this might consider, well, it's really early to start worrying about this. I mean, it's only been like. 45 minutes to an hour. But
1: her parents listened to their guts. Like her dad listened to yes. his gut.
0: He's following his instinct that something mm. is wrong. And I think in part, it's because of that door. The door was open. Mm. The door was closed. Something woke him up. Mm-hmm. The family spreads out and starts to ask around. Two passengers report seeing Amy a bit earlier riding the elevator to the top deck. She was said to be carrying her cigarettes, lighter, and room key. They also mentioned she had $100 on her, yet they do not explain how they knew this, which I found weird.
1: Yeah, that's weird. And I'm wondering if there's even like a reason for her to be up that early. Is there something to do on the ship at 6 a.m.?
0: Well, you could argue she's going to smoke, but she could have smoked out on the balcony. Right. So I I don't think she woke up early. I don't think she ever went to sleep from the previous Mm, night. mm Mm-hmm. And to be factual here, we do not know if she was up and walking around. We're assuming she was. Ron, her dad, did not see her leave the room. So we, like them, are assuming she left the room on her own. Mm -hmm. Ron asks his son for more details about the night before. Brad Bradley, Amy's brother, explains that he and Amy were out and had stayed up late dancing at a Mardi Gras party aboard the ship. They had drinks with members of the Blue Orchid, the ship's band. So the family tracks down Alistair, whom everybody calls Yellow. I don't know if I like that name.
1: I don't like it.
0: He says Amy left around 1 a.m. and he assumed she went to her room. The ship is close to docking by now. Iva Bradley begs ship employees not to put the gangway down before they can locate Amy. There is full panic now within the Bradley family. They know Amy and they know something is amiss. This is not like her. Every little thing since the trip started begins to weigh on members of the family as they second-guess the events leading up to this moment. Iva recalls dinner the previous night. The waiter came up and asked for Amy by name. She had gone off with Brad to the casino for a minute at that point. When Iva asked why the waiter needed to speak to Amy, he said, "I'd like to take her to a bar when we dock." This brief exchange, coupled with the strange way in which some ship personnel seemed overly interested in Amy as the Bradley family boarded the ship, were now taking on a new meaning.
1: So the red flags are there if we choose to see them, but I mean, can we go through life paranoid everyone has sinister intentions? No. Or also, if you have anxiety, maybe.
0: Um, In today's world, I think we should,
1: unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's a little unsettling that several men were staring Amy down as the family boarded the ship, like the men were catcalling without saying anything aloud.
1: Yeah, the thing is, men think we don't notice, but we notice. We always notice, and it feels super gross.
0: Also, when Iva told her daughter about the waiter wanting to take her to a bar, Amy winced and said, no way, that's too creepy. So mm-hmm. I, I think the point here is we've got some things going on that are not normal. And this family is feeling it. And now their child is missing. Later, the family would find out that this same bar in Aruba the waiter wanted to take Amy to, well, it's the same bar Natalie Holloway was last seen in before she went missing. 18-year-old Holloway, for those of you who don't recognize the name, disappeared on May 30, 2005 while in Aruba on her senior class trip to the island. When I tell you this was a high-profile case the media could not let go of, that is a huge understatement. This case was the epitome of white women's syndrome. It was 24-7, in our faces every day, every night. I remember Nancy Grace just banging on night uh-huh. after night after night after night.
1: So I remember the name, and I remember this being like, you could not stop hearing this name everywhere. But remind me of all the details, Phelps.
0: Well, according to the FBI, on the evening of May 29, 2005, Natalie Holloway and a large group of high school students went to Carlos and Charlie's nightclub in Oranjestad, Aruba, When the club was closing around 1 a.m., some of the group headed back to the Holiday Inn where they were staying and others in the group gathered at various other area bars. Holloway was last seen around 1.30 a.m., leaving the same area in a silver Honda with three young males, Joran Vandersloot, who is in prison today for an unrelated murder and rape, Deepak Kalpo and Satish Kalpo, brothers. Holloway did not return to her hotel and her personal belongings remained in her room. To this day, amid speculation and widespread belief that the Calpo brothers lured Natalie into their car and Von der raped and killed her, her whereabouts remain unknown.
1: I'm sure that's just a coincidence that it was the same bar, right, Phelps?
0: Yeah, there are no coincidences in missing and murdered people. Mm-mm. Let's take a quick break here and come back to hear the bizarre twists in the Amy Bradley case as it unfolds throughout that day and the years that follow. And some of this will frighten you to your core. With pressure from Iva and Ron Bradley, the ship agrees to look into the computerized system that logs every door inside the ship. Now, remember, the family feel they are up against the ticking clock of the ship docking and the gates being drawn. Once that takes place, the, quote, crime scene of the ship itself, if we can call it that, becomes as large as an entire island.
1: You know, if you're trying to get away with something, that's really the perfect time for a murder, a kidnapping, whatever, while the ship's preparing you to dock.
0: Yeah, people are everywhere. Uh I definitely think so. The timing here is significant. Just as the ship is docking, Amy Bradley vanishes basically, right? It certainly leads one to move away from what becomes a common question in these cruise ship missing person cases. Did the person fall overboard? I don't think this happened to Amy. There's zero indication of her falling into the water. And Amy was a licensed lifeguard and expert swimmer in better physical shape than most people. I don't care that she was up all night. You hit that cold water, your life on the line. Adrenaline kicks in and you either panic or you save yourself. And all I learned about Amy for this episode, I can say she was someone who wanted to live. She would have made it.
1: Yeah. There's an argument to be made that if you fall overboard and you're 90 minutes from shore, there's not many people who could survive an open ocean.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's just no evidence that she went overboard. Yeah. Anything that I could find anyway. And as we'll see coming up, there's even evidence that she did not fall overboard. Hmm, okay. Brad Bradley has pieced together a timeline. He explains to his parents that he returned to their room about 3.35 a.m. and the ship's computerized log backs him up. While Amy's key card was logged swiping the door around five minutes after Brad. So there is no doubt That was Amy outside the room in the lounge chair that morning. The question I have is was she with anyone before that? Or did someone follow her? Based on the previous behavior of the ship's crew, I'd lean toward the latter. Brad says he and Amy sat together on the cabin balcony for a time and they chit chatted about the night, but not for too long. He was tired. He saw Amy last lounging in that chair, the same chair her dad saw her sitting in there 5.30 a.m. when he opened his eyes and looked toward the balcony. By 6.30 a.m., now just an hour into this ordeal, the family believes Amy is a bona fide missing person. Nobody can find her anywhere. The ship is just about ready to dock in Curacao, so the crew is very busy preparing for that. It's been about an hour since anyone has seen Amy, but the crew is not at all alarmed. There are some 2,500 people aboard that ship. Amy just one of those people wandering around. To keep track of every person, an adult nonetheless, at every minute, it's impossible.
1: That's also kind of a shitty excuse because if you have key cards showing where people are in their rooms or potentially a log of other places they've been on the ship that you need a key card to enter... It kind of sounds like they just didn't want to disturb business as usual.
0: They definitely didn't. They, they yeah. figured she's going to turn up. She got drunk, passed out somewhere, and she'll turn yeah. up. The Bradley family, on the other hand, want the crew to begin a search of the ship right away. They ask that the crew not allow the 2,500 people aboard the ship to leave. Once they dock and people start to ebb and flow on and off the ship, it will only make it harder to locate Amy. The ship staff utterly refuse. Once they dock and can figure out what's going on, they will then consider searching for Amy. Now, Amy is not a hard person to identify. Her overall look, her age, her characteristics.
1: Right. She's got short cropped hair like a pixie cut. She's got a ton of tattoos, a tribal sun with a Chinese symbol in the middle of her lower back. A baby Tasmanian devil spinning a basketball on her left shoulder blade, which I give her total props for as a 90s girl. A Chinese symbol on her right ankle. A green and blue gecko lizard around her navel. She also has a green and blue gecko around her belly button. And she also has several piercings. She's got her belly button pierced, several in her ears. And then she's also got a really distinctive scar, um, like a two and a half inch scar on her right shin.
0: Yes. This makes it Just easy to identify her very quickly. And as I mentioned earlier, she's an expert swimmer and a trained lifeguard. Yet her mother later says that the family had to twist her arm and convince Amy to go on the vacation because she expressed terror for the open seas and being aboard a cruise ship.
1: I hate that. I think some people know. It's like they have a bad feeling. And I Googled this after I was looking at it. But Natalie Wood who, of course, the actress, died, the actress who died on a ship, said that she had always been afraid of dark water. Was how she said it.
0: We get premonitions. We get gut yeah. feelings.
1: Yeah. Actually, my grandma's first husband, he had always been afraid of the dentist. And sure enough, he died in the dentist chair in like the 60s.
0: There's a joke in there somewhere, but I, <laughs> I haven't thought of it.
1: <laughs> don't go on boats. Don't go to the dentist. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. He was afraid of the dentist, (laughs) afraid he would die at the dentist, and he died at the dentist. That's he
1: died at the dentist.
0: That's just pure fucking irony, I think. I know. It feels like, perhaps, unlike in most non-cruise line missing person cases, that somebody does know something. And with all the people around in such close quarters, how could someone have not seen something? In 1998, when Amy went missing, Of course, there were not CCTV cameras as widespread aboard ships as there are today. But still, it's a ship. It's a contained environment. Right. The fact that the cruise line did not want to comply with the family's wishes and help find Amy Bradley right away before continuing on its path of docking is unacceptable to me. What they are categorically saying is this. Our commitment to port and docking is more important than the safety of our guests. I mean, honestly, how many of these requests do they get? Not many. So why would you not help this family when they came to you in desperation?
1: Exactly. If they're getting these requests, it's like out of the ordinary, I would imagine.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, they're not getting these requests like five, six times every morning. Mm-mm. According to the family, the porter of the ship does broadcast a page over the ship's loudspeaker calling out for Amy to respond at 7.50 a.m., about one hour and 20 minutes after the family is overly concerned and believes something has happened. The ship's excuse for waiting this long is that they did not want to wake up everyone aboard the ship, A, a ship that is docking for crying out loud.
1: Right, so everybody's about to wake up anyway. And here's the thing. If someone is missing on a boat, that's an emergency. It's okay to wake people up in the case of an emergency.
0: The problem this causes is, as Iva Bradley later tells NBC, by then now, it's near 8 a.m., most of the passengers had already disembarked the ship after it docked in port. Mm Mm-hmm. The Bradley family is becoming extremely distressed as each tick of the clock goes by and the captain finally orders a search of the entire ship. The ship has 10 decks and 999 rooms and later that day, the captain tells the family his crew searched the entire ship, every room and could not find Amy. Three days go by, no Amy. Then an official conclusion in the case of missing passenger Amy Lynn Bradley is announced. Amy had fallen or jumped overboard. After 24 hours of not finding her, you've gone into panic mode because yeah. every second that goes by after that, she's farther and farther away from you. Yep. I, I mean, I hate to bash a cruise ship line with regards to a missing person or a mysterious murder, but... Come on, with with all these cases, the cruise line always, always, always drops the ball or comes across as negligent. Always. The long list of lawsuits families have filed and won prove as much. The Bradley family has no choice but to conduct its own investigation. From all I could gather, they got very little help. As they looked deeper into the timeline and searched their cabin, it appears Amy had changed clothes. Originally, it was thought she didn't. And as they begin asking around, talking to anyone they can, a witness comes forward. A woman says she saw Amy very early in the morning with the orchestra's bass player, that dude they call Yellow. The bass player and Amy walked up to a deck above where this woman was standing. Ten minutes after that, she says she witnessed the bass player coming back to that lower deck
1: alone. So that's what you were talking about. So if Amy had fallen from there, the woman should have seen her fall if she was a deck below her. Or
0: heard her scream.
1: Right, right. I mean, she would have fallen right past her, presumably.
0: Brad Bradley also remembers more details about that night in a club. The bass player was being extremely flirtatious. One time getting very close to Amy on the dance floor, she told him to back off. And in fact, the bass player... And this is according to Brad, knew that Amy was missing long before it was known publicly aboard the ship. A disturbing theory then emerges that Amy was a target of the sex slave trade in the Caribbean. Iva Bradley tells NBC that Amy would have been considered a trophy within that market. She was picked out or rather targeted, likely, held, hidden, drugged, and then taken off the ship when it docked in Curacao. What? Yeah, exactly. Now we're getting into a dark, dark area here. Um, So let's take a break, come back and explore that part of this case, and also a strange call the family receives. There's this dark system of human trafficking called sex tourism, and very few want to talk about it. I'm gonna. It is especially prevalent in the Caribbean islands. Young, attractive women are kidnapped by pirates and used or sold as sex slaves to disgusting men from all over the world who pay for the opportunity to fly into a region and exploit these women sexually. We know and have heard of this going on in many countries.
1: Sex trafficking happens everywhere. It happens to like, quote unquote, normal girls from normal houses all the time. And it doesn't always look like kidnapping either. Sometimes it's like we saw in our Coercive Control episode with Laura Richards. It can look like a bad boyfriend who just convinces you he loves you have sex with these other guys so you can support us. I'm doing so much too. Like it can look a lot of different ways.
0: And really you do not realize you're getting involved in it until you're in it. Yeah. It's it's something so unfathomable. We generally don't want to discuss it, but believe me when I say I have interviewed people who attest to it happening all around the world, including right here in the United States. Yeah. So Is this what happened to Amy? Was she targeted the moment she stepped on the ship, stalked, and kidnapped? Unfortunately, this is very possible and even likely.
1: I totally have chills. That's so creepy. And so was she ever seen again?
0: The family did receive contact from a Canadian man in August 1998 who claims to have seen Amy on the beach in Curacao about five months after she went missing. He described Amy's tattoos, but says he did not know she was missing at the time he saw her. The scary part of the sighting is that she was being walked down the beach by two men. Then there's this. (sighs) You're going to have to hold me back on this. A man on the same cruise as the Bradleys went to a brothel there after it docked. He came forward in January 1999 and claims to have seen Amy there. At the brothel. He did not know anything about the case at the time he saw her. He claimed she pulled him aside and said, My name is Amy Bradley. Please help me. He told her that there's a naval ship very close by and she can leave with him. To that, he claimed she says, No, you do not understand. Please help me. My name is Amy Bradley. It was at that moment, as they were talking, that two men from the brothel interrupted the conversation, grabbed the woman, took her away. And we heard saying, go upstairs to her. And I might add, this story is directly from Iva Bradley, who spoke to NBC about her daughter's case.
1: Why would he wait till the next year to mention this to anyone?
0: Well, <laughs> he was a petty officer in the Navy, and there were places he was not allowed to go, that brothel obviously being one of them. Mm. After he retired and his career was no longer in jeopardy, he saw Amy's story on the cover of a magazine and realized he should come forward. So he called the Bradleys and said, I saw your daughter, I talked to her, and she was in trouble. I guess he then apologized for not doing anything. Oh, man. I, I, I won't say more. I'll leave it there. <laughs>
1: So what are the Bradleys even able to do at this point? Can they appeal to the U.S. government for help?
0: The United States has no jurisdiction in Curacao, so the government claims Mm. it cannot intervene. These types of cases receive all different sorts of tips as the years pile up. You never can tell what is legit and what is imagination and people just making things up or trying to take advantage of a family in crisis In 1999, after posting a website about Amy, the family received an email from a dude named Frank Jones, who calls himself a Navy SEAL. He says he saw Amy being held hostage by Colombian personnel in a housing complex, and as a former U.S. Army Special Officer, he and his team could launch a rescue. He says he knows where she is. He's confident it's Amy because of her tattoos. As the next two months pass, Jones sends reports to the family about Amy and his progress. But to lodge an operation to rescue her, he says he, of course, needs a total of $210,000. No. So they send him the money. Oh, no. As they wait to hear from Jones about the rescue, the call never comes. It's a scam, and Jones, a few years later, is arrested and convicted for fraud.
1: Oh, my God. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I actually have tears in my eyes. I'm so mad.
0: In March 2005, a witness comes forward and says she saw a woman matching Amy's description inside a retail store restroom in Barbados. She says the woman was with three men who seemed to be threatening and handling her. Inside the restroom, the woman tells the witness her name is Amy and she is from Virginia. From sketches later drawn with the witness's help, the Bradleys believe the tip to be credible, yet they still cannot locate her. That tip there sounds really legit to me. Mm -hmm. Although there is no evidence of her death, Amy was declared legally dead in 2010. Between 1997 and 2011, 10 people, mostly females, disappeared while on vacation in the Caribbean, Amy Bradley among them. In 2017, the FBI releases a video updating Amy's case. Here's one of the agents talking about the case on that video. If you have any information, whether it be that you are a passenger or a crew member, we ask that you come forward. The smallest detail could assist us in finding out what happened to Amy. That Canadian guy who says he saw Amy, that seems to me to be a credible tip among those that came in as well. He has remained steadfast in his conviction and told one media outlet, quote, I am haunted by that encounter with Amy. I know it was her, end quote. Now, the one thing that I am certain of is that people saw Amy Bradley after she went missing. In recent years, a photograph of an escort from a website surfaced of a woman named Jazz. The face of the woman bears a resemblance to Amy Bradley, aged significantly. Many people believe the woman is Amy Bradley. As far as I could gather, the woman has not been located. In 2010, a human jawbone washed up on the shore of Aruba. Authorities did some testing on it in connection with the Natalie Holloway case I mentioned earlier. But when it was proven not to be a match, they declined to pursue investigating it further. Even though it was proved to belong to a Caucasian and there were nine other missing vacationers it could have belonged to.
1: Phelps, I have so many feelings, thoughts, and emotions about this case.
0: I know you do. This case stirred you up for some reason.
1: I mean, it's so intriguing because we don't know what happened, but there's also evidence that she's still alive. This picture... Okay,
0: to that, I want to say the picture, Google that picture and take a look.
1: Yeah, you got to look at this picture and look at a picture of Amy and also, you know, take a look at the sketches. This picture of Amy, though, that is kind of in more recent years, some thoughts come up. So it's a picture of a woman on a bed. She's in like skimpy lingerie. Her face is mostly fully to the camera, and she's got sort of long, dark hair that's really big. So this woman's face, when you compare this to Amy's face, this is Amy. The same nose, and it's not a very typical nose, very petite features, the same cheekbones, This looks not only like Amy when she was young and has gotten 20 years older, but it also looks like the aged pictures that the FBI released.
0: It does. Uh, These things always scare me. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. Because of the internet. Because people could manipulate Mm -hmm. images and people could just still be messing with the family. So whenever I see stuff like this, I always look at it with one eyebrow raised. Pause. Yeah. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also saw that her parents have just recently hired a new yeah. PI. Yep, yeah.
0: yep. Yeah. Her parents and her are her deter- parents
1: are so normal. Like it's yeah. just heartbreaking because you know it, it just there was something her mom said, which was just you know we're so excited to have this new PI working on this case, and that little phrase just broke my heart because I'm like this family didn't want to be a case. You know, they're not a case. They're just a super normal sauce family.
0: They went on a family vacation on a cruise line and one of them ends up missing. I mean, it's beyond a nightmare. It's beyond a nightmare.
1: I have a sneaking suspicion this isn't the last we're hearing of this case.
0: You know, a lot of these cases, I I get this feeling washed over me that it's over. Mm -hmm. This one, I don't get that feeling. My gut doesn't tell me this is over yet. There are photos and numbers to call on the charlieproject.org website. There is a substantial reward being offered in Amy's case. Google Charlie Project slash Amy Lynn Bradley, and a link will take you there. You can see photos of Amy throughout her life, read details about her, and even see photos of suspects. The Charlie Project is a solid asset for missing person cases. As far as I can tell, they do good work there. And I just wanna express my deepest sorrow to the Bradley family for what they've had to endure. You board a ship with your family to have the time of your lives and it ends in a horrific tragedy. The fact that Amy's whereabouts are unknown doubles the impact of the pain as the family is left to wonder, wait, and think about the horrible things that she might be going through right now and continue to go through as years go on. So, that's it for this week. Remember, be safe, be aware. Catch me here next week with a new murder case. See you then, partners.
1: Sources for today's episode come from charlieproject.org, FBI video of Amy Bradley Case, YouTube. Globalization, Human Trafficking, and Tourism in the Caribbean by Kendra Morency, e-International Relations, Most Wanted, FBI.gov, How Normal are Cruise Ship Mishaps, Stephanie Rosenblum, New York Times, Unsolved Mysteries, Amy Bradley, unsolved.com, thelineup.com, the the Amy Lynn Bradley disappearance.
0: Crossing the Line is a production of iHeartRadio. It's executive produced by me, M. William Phelps and iHeart executive producer Catherine Law. Special thanks to producer Rose bachi and EP Christina Everett. Audio engineering, original music, and sound design by Matt Russell. Additional thanks to Will Pearson at iHeart Radio. The series theme, number 444, is written and performed by Thomas Phelps and Tom Mooney. For more podcasts from iHeart Radio, visit the iHeart Radio app.